How are we doing? Good. Are we all squished in front of the barrier? Awesome. Cool. How are you doing, guys? My name's Tyler. If we haven't met before, shalom. I don't know why that was funny for you guys. Okay. Peace. I like that. That's new. That's new. Today, um, we're speaking about risk. Uh, we're talking about risk, the things that come with risk. And honestly, when we speak about risk, something that comes to mind for me is when we were thinking about it. Oh, actually, I just had another one, as I thought. Pooping at someone's house. That's a risk. That wasn't in my notes. <laughs> nice. Name and shamed. Nice. That, um, we're already going off notes. I haven't even started. Yeah, pooping at someone's house. What if, what if you clog it? What are you going to do then? Huh? Where is your savior now? <laughs> I'm not talking about experience. No, I'm not that risky. Yeah. Well, what if you, yeah, what if they don't have toilet paper? That's not that bad. I guess you can text them. That's kind of embarrassing. No, when I think of risk, I was thinking, this happened to me last night. I got home pretty late. By the time I got ready for bed, I'm like, all right, put my head on the pillow. I'm like, time to go to bed. I'm like, oh, I'm not that tired yet. Like, you're tired, but you're not that tired, you know? I was like, oh, I'll just go like, just go like TikTok for five minutes. Just five minutes. And you know, you're already, okay, so we're all on the same page here. I can already tell. And you're like, you're on there and you're like TikTok, you're like five minutes. Next thing it's been 20 minutes. And you're like, all right, all right, enough. And then you say to yourself, I'll count down from five. You know, are you guys been there? And you're like, you're five. And you go, five, four. That was an ad. That doesn't count, obviously. Four. Oh, what's up to? All right, we'll start at five again. Five, and you scroll, you scroll, and then you get to one, and you're like, that one wasn't that funny. So then you go again, and you go, all right, I'll wait till a funny one happens. And then you get a funny one, and you're like, well, I can't end on a funny one. And then you keep going. I was up to like 2.30 last night, or in the morning, because of TikTok, just constantly going. And that's a risk, right? Pulling out TikTok at night, that's a risk. You're going to stay up for a lot longer than you meant to, right? Another risk, I impromptu last night I went for a surf my first night surf it was dark I couldn't see anything that was a risk it was me and my mate we went out by ourselves it was very dark um figures because it was at night and we paddled out it actually wasn't that cold it was quite warm and we both got our back behind the waves and in the my mate looks at me he goes dun -dun. <laughs> dun -dun. Dun -dun. and it's just oh and then that it, we didn't really think about it till that point and uh, that was a bit of a risk as well. What else is there, things that are risks? Oh, this one, this is a good one. I reckon you guys can all relate to this. At least you boys. When you go to ask out a girl, right? Ooh. But you gotta ask her best friend if she'd say yes. Because you don't wanna risk if she's gonna say no. Or you get your best friend, hey bro, ask, ask Kelsey if she'd say yes. You know, bro, ask her, exactly. That's what I was thinking, man. And you've got to ask her and make sure it's a yes. Because you don't want to risk it if it's a no. What if it's a no? You don't want to risk that, man. You've got to make sure it's going to be a yes before you ask her. You guys know what I mean, right? Surely. I do that all the time. That's a classic move. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Dating advice right there. Thanks, Carl. But we're going to jump straight into it tonight, if that's okay with you guys. Just before I start, I want to say that I've been putting a lot of prayer into this. I don't take this lightly, me being up here. Um, I really put a lot of like, respect to being up on stage, and it's a real honor to be able to talk to you guys. Um, so I've put a, little, a lot of prayer and a lot of thought, and I think this is really what God wants me to speak to you guys about tonight. So 
talking about risk, um, we're talking about someone in the Bible who took quite a lot of risks um, for God. Um, and this guy's name is Gideon. So a little backstory on Gideon. He belongs to a group of people called the Israelites. These guys stuff up a lot in the Bible. Spoiler alert. They do a lot of good stuff, and then they always seem to do a lot of bad stuff. So Judges 6, if we can get that up, we're going to give you guys a little bit of a backstory into Gideon. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and the strongholds. When even the Israelites planted crops, make, uh, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. Uh, camping in their land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all their sheep, their goats, their cattle, their donkeys, everything. These enemies' hordes coming, from their, uh, coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, for help. So you have this country, you have Israel. They've just come back from being freed from Pharaoh and the slavery there. Moses has helped them out and somehow they forget all of that and they go back into sin. And God goes, cool, you want to be part of the world? I'm going to let you be taken by the world. So Midianites is another country, overtake them. And they basically go through their country every now and again and strip them bare of everything. These people are so scared and they're so hungry that they're hiding um, hiding their food, hiding themselves just to be safe. So that's what's happened for seven years before they finally decide, all right, maybe we did something wrong. Maybe we better call out to God and go like, hey, God, we need you now. So this is where we meet Gideon. Um, Judges 6, verse 11, if we can get that up. So the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizah. Gideon, son of Josh, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and hand us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go. With the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites, I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manesh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So they cry out. God's like, fine, I'll send you an angel, which is going to go talk to Gideon. And Gideon is not this strong Goliath. Gideon's actually hiding in a wine press preparing wheat because he is so scared of the Midianites. He can't even be out in the open preparing it. He's hiding. He's a coward. He probably doesn't feel strong. He doesn't, definitely doesn't look strong hiding in the bottom of a wine press. And there, God goes to meet him. Can I encourage you that God's not going to meet you just because you're strong and you're out there and you're willing. God's so willing to meet you, even if you are feeling scared inside and if you are feeling lonely and if you are hiding from the enemy. God is still so ready to meet you in that place and He knows you're there. So God sends this angel. God meets Gideon where he is and He says, I have a plan for you and I have a purpose for you. And Gideon goes, what? Me? I am the least in my entire family. My clan is the smallest 
out of our country? How am I supposed to free the people of Israel from the Midianites? And God's like, no, you're not going to do it. I'm going to do it. But I'm going to use you. I'm going to cloak you in my strength. Can I encourage you that God doesn't call the people, God doesn't equip the people. What is it? God doesn't, I had it so good. I had it written down. I was ready to fire it up, man. And then I stumbled. So God doesn't cloak you in your own strength. He cloaks you in the strength of His. God doesn't call the people who are already equipped for His plan. Here it is. He equips the people that are called for His plan. So God's going to equip you because He's called you for His plan. He's not going to leave you there. He cloaks Gideon in the strength. So God is way more confident in the plan that He has for you than you are. He equips us. He equips the called for His plan. He cloaks you in strength. So that's the backstory of Gideon. We swap to now Judges 7. Gideon's pumped. He's like, all right, I'm stepping out of the wine press. I'm ready to go. I'm going to take my men, even though we're small, and we're going to go free the people of Israel because I know God's got my back. So Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Harod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever's timid and afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. So Gideon's first risked it by coming out of his hiding place. He's come out of his place of self-comfort, his place of safety, to put his trust in God. He's done his first risk. And then remember, he's already got a small clan. And God goes, I'm actually going to challenge you here. I need you to take another risk. I actually want you to send 22,000 of them home. I would be going, what? How am I supposed to take over another country with my little clan when you've just taken home 22,000 of them? That's a big number. That's huge. God's just been able to cut this plan. Sometimes when we step out and we can say yes to God and we say yes to the plan, God's going to do something radical and God's going to do some changes. And are we going to be okay with that? What if God's calling you, hey man, I actually want you, if you're going to say yes to me, if you're going to say yes to my plan, I actually want you to change your language and how you're speaking to people. I actually want you to get rid of that vocabulary and all that swearing. I actually, I, I think that's got to go. What if God's calling you to step out of your comfort zone? What if God's calling you to step out of that addiction and going, I actually need you to leave that with me? What if God's calling you to change your music? Oh, that's a big one. What if God's calling you to change the music you're listening to? This happened to me. Who's heard of the band Brockhampton? Good band. Good band. The internet's boy band. There's about eight of them. Four of them are music producers. Are you kidding me? In one band, they are all incredibly talented uh, with multiple instruments. Their lead singer is Kevin Abstract, who's incredible. And I was listening to them one day uh, while I was working, and I felt the Holy Spirit kind of like give a little burn inside of me. And I was like, oh, no. No, I don't want to. And I felt God go, man, you got it. No, I don't want you listening to these guys anymore. I was like, what's going on? What? My boys. (laughs) What? I was like, no, why? Why do I not? And sometimes God's going to ask you to drop some things. Sometimes God's going to ask you to strip back some things. And what are we going to do? Are we going to be like Gideon? And are we going to go, okay, I'm going to put a trust. I'm going to risk it for you because I know you know better God. Or are we going to sit there and hold on to it? So for me, I look at their lyrics and I go, well, 
I think I'm mature enough. I mean, they've got swearing in their lyrics quite a bit, and I'm sure, sure I'm mature enough to just to ignore that. And the sexual undertones, sure, I'm just mature enough. But what if God's like, hey, man, in this season, I think we're just going to give it a miss. Hey, I just think we're going to drop that. Cool. So I had to put my trust, and I don't listen to them anymore, which sucks because they just dropped a new album not too long ago. And apparently it's really good. But so that's the second risk that Gideon takes to actually send a whole bunch of his men home. Then we keep reading into the next verse. Then God told Gideon, oh, sorry, I went too far. But the Lord, so this is verse four. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. What? There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one, put all those who cup the water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands, and all others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and I will give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon's gone. He's had like 30,000 men. He's like, already he was feeling outnumbered. Already Gideon was feeling outnumbered in this. God calls him to it. He cloaks him in strength. Gideon goes, all right, I'm going to take that risk. I'm going to step out of that wine press. And then Gideon goes. God asks him to send more home. He's like, all right, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to take another risk and I'm going to send more home. And he's got, all right, I can still do it with 10,000. I can still do it with around 10,000. But here we go. God limits him down to 300. This dude, I feel bad for Gideon, man. He's got to take over a country that's kept them for seven years under oppression with 300 men. Not only 300 men, but 300 men who have been starved. How crazy is that? Sometimes when we put our step into God's plan, when we say yes to God, He's going to get us to do some stuff that's radical, get us to do some changes, get us to do some stuff that pushes us out of our comfort zones. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to be like Gideon who just keeps saying yes? Here we look. When God keeps stripping back from Gideon, if we look back in Leviticus, God gives a whole bunch of rules to the Israelites. This is the same people. This is same Gideon's people, right? This is crazy to me. You think, these guys, I'm going to set us up. Leviticus, it talks about, in one of the paragraphs, or one of the parts, it talks about what they can and can't eat. Uh, God's given them certain animals that they can and can't eat. He actually gives them a formula for it, which is a whole other thing. It's really interesting. He says, if they've got split hooves um, and they chew from the cud, you can eat them, but not both, uh, but not either or. So if they just have split hooves, but they don't chew from the cud, you can't eat them. Or if they chew from the cud and they don't have split hooves, you can't eat them. So it's a really interesting formula that he gives them to actually help them out so they don't have to remember. But Leviticus, he does this. And one of the animals that he specifically reads out, it's in Leviticus 11. I didn't tell Lockie to bring this up, but that's okay. Leviticus 11, it actually says specifically, no pigs. So you know what that means. The pig has evenly split hooves, but does not chew the cud, so it is unclean. You may not eat this meat uh, of this animal or even touch the carcass. So you know what that means when it says no pig? No bacon. No bacon. These Israelites, man, they didn't have varsity. They didn't have birthday cakes. They didn't have donuts. They didn't have sausage rolls. But they would have had bacon. 
And God's like, ah, actually, nah, nah, we're going to stay away from the bacon. I'd be like, what? That's the one good thing we had was bacon. I've been out here eating goat this whole time and I saw bacon and now I can't eat it. God, what's going on with that? But it's interesting if you look at it, the Israelites wouldn't have understood hygiene. Not to the extent that you would have needed. They wouldn't have understood cross-contamination, microorganisms, bacteria, and all that sort of thing. And with pig, they wouldn't have had the proper knowledge nor the stuff to properly prepare it so it's safe for them to eat. So we can look at that from now. The Israelites would have been like, God, you're so cruel. Why? No bacon. But we can look at that from the outside and go, actually, you guys were way better off because you guys eating that just would have made you sick and probably would have killed a lot of them. So instead of God going, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you to do this. And instead of confusing you with all these reasons and freaking you guys out, I'm just going to say no. Okay, I'm just going to tell you guys to drop it. And you're going to have to trust me. How many times in our life has God said no to us and we've just got to take that same mentality? We've just got to trust Him. Just the rules of the Bible, the stuff that He's told us, the stuff that He's told His people, we've just got to trust Him. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to us at this time and that's okay because that's not what it's about. It doesn't have to make sense to us. So Gideon puts his trust in God. He does another risk, probably the biggest risk so far, and goes to 300 men. How awesome is our God in this bit? I love this bit of the story. So Gideon at this point, he's trying to put his trust, but he's felt pretty down. He's felt pretty held back. He's like, God, I'm struggling here. You've got me to do this big thing. You've taken me out of my comfort zone. You've taken me out here to fight a country that's held us captive. It goes down to 300 men. I just need something from you. So the Midianite camp, oh, this is from verse, this is from verse nine. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night, the Lord said, get up and go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Purah. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged, then you will be eager to attack. Just there, you can see that God meets Gideon where he is. He understands that Gideon doesn't have to be this big, strong, mighty warrior that's got it all under control. God knows that Gideon's feeling afraid. Now, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he understands that we're human and that we can be fearful. So uh, then you'll be eager to attack. So Gideon took Purah and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east have settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels, like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Here he is, risking it again. He's going to the camp just with one other dude in a night mission with an army that is too big to count, like grains of sand on the shore. He's going in there. He's trusting to God for encouragement. So Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream. And in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can only mean one thing. God has given 
God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard this dream and his interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp. I'm going to read that again. So it said, Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. He said, I had this dream in my, uh, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, it turned over and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can only mean one thing, that God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite victory over Midian and all its allies. Can I encourage you tonight? Can I do that? That the enemy that you're fighting against, the enemy that you're struggling with, not only is defeated, but knows it not only is defeated, but is talking about it. You can see here that Gideon's going to fight an army where they already know they're defeated. They didn't even know Gideon was there. And God gives him a word of encouragement to fire him up. Can I tell you that anxiety that you're dealing with already knows it's defeated? How incredible is that, that we are fighting a fight with an enemy that has no opportunity already, and the fight hasn't even started. That depression that you're dealing dealing with is already defeated. Those friend circles that you're dealing with, the bullying, that's already defeated. And I know it might be hard for us to see in this time. It might be hard for Gideon. He's only got 300 men, but he knows that they're already defeated and he gets up with such power. He gets up to run. He, uh, Gideon, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bound in worship and he got up and he ran. Um, so he goes, uh, Judge 7 and 9, where are we reading from then? So, Here we go. Gideon's just heard this. Can I get John Luke up for me? Is that all right? So suddenly, uh, so this is what Gideon, he's pumped up. He's ready to go. He's just found out that they know they're defeated. Uh, He runs back to his men. Um, Oh, sorry. Here we go. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord in the Israelite camp. Um, He came back and he shouted, get up. For the Lord God has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided his men into 300 groups and they gave each man, um, he splits them up into 300 groups. So what's happened here is Gideon's pumped. He's heard that they're ready to go. He's heard that the enemy's already defeated and he goes out and he runs. He goes back, guys, we're not waiting till morning. We've got a fight that's ready to be won now. So he goes up, he goes, wake up, let's go. And just before he goes, just before he sets off with his small army of 300 men to go for this country, God goes, hold up, wait a minute. I got one more thing. I know you're here. I know you've listened to me. I know you've done risk after risk after risk, but I got one more thing. He said, the swords and the weapons that you guys have got, nah, we're not going to be using them. You'll put them down. I'd be like, are you serious? How, like, I've done everything you wanted, and now you're putting me up into a slaughterhouse, right? They've got 300 men with weapons. You could kind of see how that works, maybe. But God's like, no, no, no. I want you to take clay pots, horns, and your torches. I mean, maybe you can get one guy with a clay pot, but then what are you going to do next? Just got like a handle? We're going to do that. You're going to try to get another guy with a handle. There's no way that they could defeat a country with this, but he takes the risk again. And he goes, keep your eyes on me. He splits your, he splits his army into 300. Um, and just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the end of the Midianite camp, suddenly they blew their ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all the three groups broke their, broke their horn, uh, blew their horns and broke their clay jars. 
they held their blazing torches in their left hand and their horns in their right hand, and they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled, fled to faraway places. Can I encourage you that not only our enemy is defeated, not only do they know they're defeated, but you're not going to have to fight that battle. After all, Gideon went through all of that, all of that risk, all of that danger. He got to the end and Gideon was never in danger. He was never going to fight that battle. That was for God's to fight. So the enemy that you're coming up against, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety changing into new schools, whether it's addiction, whether it's something that you're trying to let go of that you just can't, you've got to give that up to God and that battle is not yours to fight. God's going to fight that battle for you. See, I've been saying that Gideon's taking risks. I've been saying risk after risk after risk, but the definition of risk is a decision by a person where the outcome is potentially dangerous. With God, we don't take risks. There's no risks to be taken with God. We're taking acts of faith. We're not taking risks because God has never got you in a position. He's never got a plan for you that's going to cause you danger and going to cause you harm. So here we are, not looking at risk, but looking at acts of faith where we need to be trusting. And can I encourage you as well with this battle that you're going on, maybe you're like, I'm giving it up to God. I keep praying about it. I keep praying about it. I keep doing this and that, and it's not going on. Nothing's working. Have you tried putting down the sword? Because that was a really important part for Gideon to win that battle. To actually trust God enough to get the weapons that they bought and put that down. And his next step after that was declaring how great his God was in worship. Put down that sword. It is not your fight to fight. In saying that, just like we talked about in worship the other day, don't become complacent because God's fighting your battle. Gideon's still there. He's still on the front lines. He still had a part to play. He still smashed a clay pot. He still blew the horn. He still declared who God was. He was just never in danger. So don't take a step back. Don't sit on the sidelines about this. This isn't your fight to fight, but you've still got to do something about it. We're going to move into a time that I felt really strongly for us to move into tonight. If you guys just want to move just back a little bit, we just want to create a little space at the front, if that's all right. I feel like some of us are looking for a breakthrough. That what we've been, that's what we've been talking about at youth a lot, a breakthrough. You don't have to squish too far back, guys. I'm looking for you guys to come to the front. So we've been talking about a breakthrough a lot. And I know a lot of you might be feeling, hey, I haven't felt that from God. I haven't felt that. Can I encourage you not to be complacent? And in this time, we're going to really seek God together. And if you pray and you don't hear God, do not stop praying. Keep going and keep pushing. Do not just sit down and go, all right, I guess that's not for me tonight. Because it is. There's a part that I left out deliberately that I want to bring up. See, Gideon, when he was hiding in the wine press, he actually still had doubts, even though he was talking to an angel. And he actually said to God, God, I need you to reveal yourself to me. And how many of us are in that position tonight where we're like, hey, God, I actually just need you to reveal yourself to me tonight. 
I actually just need that. No ifs, no buts, no about it. I actually just need that tonight. That's the bottom line. Gideon was like that as well. And Gideon was clear with God. He said, listen, I've got this bit of carpet. I'm going to go home tonight. And when I go to sleep, I'm going to put it out in the grass. And he was very clear about it. He said, if the carpet is dry, but the ground around it is wet, then I know that you're here and I know that you've called me. So Gideon goes to sleep and he wakes up, he steps out onto the wet grass and he picks up the dry carpet. And God's answered his prayer. His next thing is he goes, God, don't be angry with me, but I still need you to help my unbelief. I still need you to help that bit, that doubt. I want you to do the opposite tonight, just to help me out, just to make sure. And our God is so incredible. Our God is so incredible. He understands you so much. Gideon's like, I need the carpet to be wet this time and the ground around it to be dry. So he goes to sleep. He wakes up the next morning. He steps on the dry, uh, the dry ground. He picks up the carpet and he wrings out a bowl full of water. Be clear with God with how you want Him to reveal Himself to you tonight. And keep pushing for it. We're going to be praying with you guys as well for that because I think it's so important that we all feel God's presence, that we all get that breakthrough, that we all get to see that battle that's being fought. So we're going to move into a time of worship and I really encourage you, seek God in that. Seek prayer from us leaders. We are more than happy to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you. But if you've got that fight going on, if you've got that battle, let's sow into that tonight. And if you don't know who God is, and if you haven't had that first encounter with God, be prepared to take an act of faith tonight. What if you like just, just you and God? You go, God, I don't know if you're real. I'm taking an act of faith right now just to be like, I need you to reveal yourself to me. It's vulnerable to do that. It might not sound that hard, but it is. Because what if he's real? What if he's real? Or even if you haven't stepped into that plan fully and you're like, God, I've been hanging on the sidelines. I need to fully walk with you just like Gideon did. I need to take those acts of faith. That's hard. I'm not up here saying that's easy. That's really hard. It's an act of faith. So if you need prayer for that tonight, if you need just to sit in a time of worship, that's what we're gonna open it up for. But can I pray for you guys before we get into that? Is that all right? So Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your presence, which is so abundant, not only within us, Lord, but within your communities. I thank you that you're a God that wants to come down and meet with us here in this place, that you're a God that's told us to put down the swords because you don't wanna put us in danger that you're a God that's fighting that battle for us. And I pray, Lord, that we are not on the sidelines, but you give us the confidence and you give us a faith that is ready to stand with you on the front lines, knowing that we're not in danger, that we're not taking risks because the plan that you have for us is so beneficial to us and our health. So Lord, I pray that you give us the confidence to stand for you, give us the confidence to make that first move for you and give us the confidence, Lord, just to seek you and seek that plan that you have for our lives.